Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Well, guess what? Mike Miller actually took a day off. That is pretty unusual for him. He doesn't take too much time off. So I'm Megan Lynch, and I'm sitting in with you, but also we have a special guest with us today to help answer your gardening questions, and that is Jane Hudson. Good morning, Jane. Hi. Actually, it's June. June. I'm so sorry. That is okay. That happens a lot. That letter is really uh, easy to get wrong. (laughs) (laughs) First strike of the morning. Oh, brothers, nothing. I guess I'm not not live and lively like Mike, huh? Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, June. I know our listeners have um, heard from you before, but uh, give us a little bit of your background and your experience. Sure. Um, Well, I spent 40 years working at Missouri Botanical Garden, and uh, I just left because, you know, when you get to be of an age, you think, well, maybe you should try to do something else. So I was way over retirement age when I left. So I've been retired two years, and uh, it's happened. Everybody said, you know, you get so busy, you, you don't know how you worked. And uh, I'm there. Good for I'm, you. Yeah, I'm very active because you, you got to be. And um, I still am connected with the industry. And uh, I love it. And my passion has never, you know, weakened for the whole time. So, well, we um, appreciate enjoying you retirement. In. Thank you. We appreciate you. you coming in today for Thank you. pulling yourself out of retirement for a couple yeah. oh, hours. Oh, to, that's okay. Yeah, it's to, good. To help our Camo X listeners this morning. If you have some questions for June, please feel free to call in 314 436 7900 800 925 1120 are the numbers to call. I do have a question for you. And just because it's been so rainy the last few days, we were asking um, our AccuWeather meteorologist, Steve Travis, about the rainfall that we've had and if that's good for this month. And actually, we're a little bit ahead, which is probably good when we head into the winter months, I would assume, for our, our trees and plants. Absolutely. Last year, we had a dry fall. And of course, people. You know, weren't of the mindset uh, to get out there with a hose in December and January to water their plants. And so we are still seeing the effects of lack of water on some of our trees. So um, it really has an accumulative effect. But because we've had a lot of rain this year uh, and this fall, it's great. The trees love it. And really, night and put your drain your hoses and put them away because you, you won't need to water them this year. Does that help a tree? Maybe if it's had a year that's been a rough year, does it help to have that rainfall? Or are there some trees that just they're not going to recover from what was a dry winter last year? It's hard to say because you can't really see the root systems. But if they made it through last fall being so dry, then uh, you would have seen the effects of it probably this spring and summer. So um, if they're looking pretty good right now, the rainfall can't Uh, do anything but help. The only reason uh, that would be detrimental is if they were sitting in water. You know, unless it's a water-loving tree, that would be a bad thing. But you probably would have seen the effect of that for years before. So most trees should be really okay. 
Okay, great. Well, you are listening to June Hudson. I'm Megan Lynch. We're sitting in for Mike Miller today. It takes two of us, I guess, to fill in for Mike, to try to fill his shoes. If you would like to join us with your questions about gardening, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. And while we've got some calls coming in, June, I'm going to ask kind of a selfish question because we are having some issues with some trees. They are maples, both my mom and myself where they're wanting to heave up out of the ground. Oh. You know, they almost look like a hand that's been flattened right. and come up. What causes that? And is there anything, is, does it damage the tree? No, actually, that's what that tree does. Okay. Maples have very high root systems. And sooner or later, as they mature, you're going to see that happen. And uh, it's perfectly normal. You can't cut them. You shouldn't damage them. They're part of the root system that supports that tree's life. So, you know, the worst thing you can do is put a whole lot of mulch on the top of them because they're they're really going to rise above it anyway. But um, it does that is not detrimental. That is helpful to see those beautiful roots on top of the, the ground. The downside is it's hard to grow grass on top of them. So you have to, you know, monitor that as far as, you know, your intentions. But um, you can interplant little ground covers if that's, you okay. know, if you're trying to cover them. And let them spread as much as they can, but they will compete with the tree for moisture. Okay, so that's been our question because we obviously don't want to mow too close to them because then oh, you scar right. those roots, and I assume then you could have disease if you really damage mm-hmm. those roots. So yeah, no, they're fine just the way okay. they are. All right, well, we yeah. will leave it alone then. Yeah. Well, June, I think we've got some questions for you. Um, let's start off with Peggy. Peggy, good morning, and welcome on the line. You are speaking with June Hudson. What's your question? Good morning, June. I Hi. believe you spoke to our Master Gardener group in um, Hillsboro. Yes, Did that you? was fun. Okay, so this is a question about orchids. I had told you that one of the orchids growers said he fertilized his orchids with vitamin B tablets that he put in water, and you said you were going to ask him about that because you didn't think that was enough um, nutrition. Well, you know, I would, gosh, I would never, uh, you know, contradict what an orchid grower said because if that didn't work for him, he would have switched before now because it wouldn't have been good for his entire crop. I don't know. It depends on the kind of orchid, too. And some are more responsive to fertilization than others. But I would say, you know, if you would, what I think if you're in wanting to do that is you should try that and see if you see an improvement uh, it may not be a total nutrient um, application for your orchid, but if it doesn't work, you'll know pretty quick, and then you can resort to something else that's more balanced. But give it a try. Well, I did, and I had good results, and oh. you said she didn't think that was good. I thought, oh, I better go back. Yeah, no, if you've had good results with what an orchid grower tells you, oh, please follow those instructions. So I would say you're on the right road right now. Right. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. If you have a question for June Hudson this morning on the St. Louis Compost Garden Hotline, you can join us 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. June, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll take more of our listeners' questions. It's 812. Hi, it's Alex Degman. Join me next Tuesday through Thursday as St. Louis food writer and editor Brandy Wills and I give you some holiday meal ideas for experts and 
well, for people like me who burn toast. Tuesday, we're talking meat at 7.50 and 4.20 on KMOX and KMOX.com. KMOX News Time is 8.17. You are listening to the St. Louis Compost Garden Hotline. I know you're used to listening to Mike Miller, but this morning you have Megan Lynch and June Hudson with you, filling in for him while he takes a little break. June, of course, has decades, four decades of experience at the Missouri Botanical Garden, not including now how busy you said you've been in retirement, and she's joining us today. Um, um, if you would like to ask her some gardening questions, you can join us, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. June, uh, when we get into the winter months, I think people don't know quite what to do with their gardens, but there's still some things we can be doing to help our plants, correct? Sure. I mean, gardening really is a 12-month operation. When we get into dead of winter, uh, people, you know, still can do some things out in the garden. So I think one thing to think about is that the leaves this year that have still been on trees and are on the ground, we've had them dry out, get wet, get wet, dry up. But if they're really thick in a garden area, now this isn't under the trees so much, that's, you know, they don't really mind, that's too much, but they're in the garden beds. Just make sure that if they're, they haven't started to decompose, if they're oak leaves, they take a long time, they can smother plants and there could be some winter rot. So you want to take a, a rake and just lightly get them off of your garden beds. And then when the weather, like tomorrow, I'm sure that you want to go out in your garden for and do something when it's 55, then you can, you know, to see if you can pick up those leaves, but they're so wet. But just kind of lightly rake them off your garden beds if you can. That's a really good idea because it's been a while now. And, uh, you know, they're just mushy on the top of the plants. It was really hard this year to find oh the, the time, get the timing right to get out, to get the leaves up this year. It I seemed know. Like, yeah. I know. I mean, you know, and the poor people that pick up leaves, you know, they have a limited number of days and then it rains. Exactly. So it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, good. I'm kind of hoping some of the leaves in my beds will smother some of the weeds. Well, that's that a I good idea too. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's some lazy gardening, right? Yeah. Well, you know, there's all kinds. That's what suits your <laughs> your lifestyle. You know. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get some more tips for you. It looks like we've got a call now from Mark in St. Charles. Mark, thank you for joining us this morning. Welcome to KMOX. What's your question for June this morning? Hi. Happy holidays to all. You and you well. too. With the sort of drought that we had last uh, winter with all the trees, we saw a lot of the trees uh, kind of die out on the top, as one of ours did. Is that it for the top of the tree, or will that come back in the spring? What you see, if you saw dead uh, material at the top of your tree, that's not going to come back. However, if... It's basically half the tree. It's basically half the tree? Yes. Wow. Wow, that's not a good thing. It really isn't. I, but, you know, before you jump into cutting it down, I would suggest that you call a, 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 an arborist, a qualified arborist. Um, it, it, would, it can develop another set of leaves at the top of the live part, but it'll never have the same shape that you had before that top part died out. Maybe you don't care about that. You may want to just save it for what... Whatever it's worth, but I would get an arborist to tell you that. All right, because the bottom of the tree got much bushier, but I'll bet. The, the top never came back. 
Well, if it's not, if you didn't have uh, leaves all summer, you need to have that part removed and leave the rest if you want. It's up to you. It depends on, you know, what look you you want and how much of it is left. All righty. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you joining us this morning, Mark. If you would like to join us, you can call 1-800-925-1120 or 314-436-7900. June, while we're waiting for another call, let's talk about some more December tips for gardeners. What are some other things we should be doing? Sure. Well, um, you know, if you bought if you bought plants in the fall and then you were, you know, stymied by the weather and didn't get them in the ground... This is a good chance to do that because I found in my garden that the soil might be hard on the top, but if you if you dig it like with a spade underneath there, it's still not frozen. So it's an opportunity to get those. I mean, it's a terrible time to plant, but this is only for things that you might have not gotten to. So, and the least you can get them in the ground now. If you can't do that, then you need to protect those plants um, within their pots by healing them in, by covering the root ball or the pot with soil for the winter because leaving them unplanted probably won't, you know, cause them to uh, survive. Otherwise, put them in a, a protected side of your house, like the east side of your house, and cover the pots with compost. And then over the winter, you need to put your finger in there and check them and make sure that those pots are not, the soil is not bone dry. So they may have to be watered midwinter because they don't have the surrounding, you know, soil to uh, give them moisture. What about if you did not get bulbs out of the ground yet? Is it too late at this point? Would to, they be rotten? You mean to put them in the ground? Or to take them out? What, why do you want to take them out? Aren't there some varieties that need to come out, like oh. gladiolus and things like that? Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. But I think of those as being out forever. I'm okay. sorry. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's... Probably. Might, probably you're not going to find them looking real good. You can try it, <laughs> dig one, see how it is, and then dig the rest. Yeah, gladiolas, cannas, caladiums, those kind of bulbs should have been out right after the first uh, true frost. Okay. Which, you know, sometimes those bulbs are amazing, even though you're supposed oh, yeah. to pull them out. Sometimes they really come Surprise back strong you. the next year. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, you know, we're in a transitional zone, so you never okay. know how cold it's going to get. Okay. Well, it looks like we've got a call from Richard in St. Louis. Richard, thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning. Yeah, you just hit the subject. I uh, I got tulips, and I've got dahlias, and I bought them up, took them up, and uh, I haven't planted them. Can I? What possibly can I plant them in the spring? So they'll, they'll, the sure. the tulips will come up. Sure, the dahlias they're they're a lot more tender than the tulips uh, are. You know, you may or may not get them to bloom, having dug them up after bloom anyway. But let's start with the dahlias. They they if they're not out of the ground, you really need to get them out as soon as possible. I do ha- I do have them both uh, both the tulip bulbs and the dahlia. Oh, bulbs. they're out. They're out of the ground. Yes, they're out. And they're clean, and they're oh, in, a, in the house, uh, basement. Oh, so, so the dahlias uh, replant uh, in oh, late uh, or early May, mid-May, and they'll start to grow. So that's that's the good news. The tulips, you know, when you dig up tulips, um, well, if, if you leave them in the ground, they may or may not come back. We're just not a perennial tulip area. But 
um, people get them to come back, and normally what happens is their their flowers are much smaller. So, um, but they even if you did dig your tulips up, you probably should have put them put them right back in um, because they really need to be in the ground and get a cold period. So, I would say though, if you can get the soil, if your soil, I don't know where, or you're in St. Louis, well. Try again. The ground isn't really frozen solid, but get those bulbs in the ground right now. You know, it's so confusing that, that like you say, you take the tulip bulbs up and then you put them back, put them back in the ground. Yeah, well, you, yeah, well, you really didn't need to dig them up. Is the point? If oh, really? Yeah, if they're going to live, they should have been left in the ground because they have root systems that are already attached to the surrounding soil. So now you're making them start over again. So what do you what have you got to lose? You got them in your hand. You might as well put them in the ground. See what happens. <laughs> I'm just going. I usually go by the jewel box. That's where I uh, get my bulbs. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, cool. And they every year they put like I know one place at Forest Park they put fifty thousand bulbs. Yep. Back in there. And, That's right. Uh, do you have to mulch them then if you leave them in the ground? Uh, not necessarily. You know, they're six inches down. Um, wow. I would say that, you know, mulch isn't uh, an issue with the tulip bulbs. If, you know, the problem is that, again, we're not, they don't act as perennials, plants that come back uh, in our area. So when they do, you've really accomplished something. But I would say, you know, you should have left them in the ground, but get them back in the ground as soon as you can and hope for the best. <laughs> well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good holidays. luck. Yes, you too. You too. Thank you so much, Richard. You can join us at 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. You may be a little shocked if you just tuned in and you expected to hear Mike Miller, but you've got Megan Lynch and June Hudson with you this morning taking your calls. Again, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. June, a few more tips for folks for December of things we should be doing or maybe planning out in advance for the spring. Oh, planning out in advance is the, you know, that's what gardeners who are passionate do. It keeps us going until the next year. So actually, um, in recent years, the catalogs for plants, uh, perennials, annuals, whatever, um, woody material come out like in November. So you get to look at them really early on. But I save mine. So that's what I do in the, the dead of winter when, you know, you can't do much else. And uh, it, you can even place your orders. They're happy to get your order. But it's like dreaming, you know, you just, you, you probably order, uh, real gardeners always order much more than they need or can possibly deal with. But that's just, you know, goes with the territory. But if you're, you know, when you're outside, um, especially as the winter wears on, if you planted uh, material, uh, perennials or whatever, in late fall, as they, um, as the winter uh, wears on and we have warm spells like tomorrow, that if that happens in January, February, they can heave themselves out of the ground because they're not really attached yet. Mm-hmm. So in in winter, you go out in your garden and make sure that your new plants are still firmly in the ground and you can't see their root system because they will work their way up. What and you know? can just push them back in. And the other thing is, you know, now if you have the opportunity, um, I'm sure that's what most people will do today or tomorrow is mulch. But 
if you have perennial beds, at, now is the exact good time because you're you want this the soil to remain a certain temperature mm-hmm. so heaving doesn't happen. But also, it's best for them not to to you know get uh, fluctuating temperatures. So you, this is a good time to mulch your perennial beds. And having said that, the best mulch to use really is leaf mold and not wood chips. Because oh, okay. wood chips break down, but they don't have the right nutrients because they came from trees. And you're mulching perennials. So the best mulch for perennial beds is leaf mold. And, you know, the better places to uh, attain that material will have that leaf mold for you. Well, let's talk about that when we come back. We need to take a break, but you can join us in our next segment, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I'm Megan Lynch, along with June Hudson. This is the St. Louis Compost Garden Hotline. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. And actually, Mike Miller is taking the weekend off. So I am Megan Lynch, along with June Hudson, a veteran of the Missouri Botanical Garden. Before we get back to your calls at 314-436-7900-800-925-1120, we do have a couple of traffic notes for you. Number one, the rain is coming down in downtown St. Louis right now. So be careful if you're out there driving. Also, crews are still working with that tractor-trailer accident that's on 255 near Telegraph Road. The two right lanes remain closed there. And then we all also have word that Interstate 70 is closed downtown today for the removal of a pedestrian bridge over the interstate. All east and westbound lanes are shut down on 70 between Salisbury and Madison. Two eastbound lanes will reopen at noon. The others will not reopen until Monday morning. So you'll need to take note of that. Well, June, we were talking briefly about leaf mold. What is leaf mold? Oh, leaf mold is uh, just ground up leaves. Gotcha. Yes, from the trees. Okay. Yeah, but at least it breaks down more than the oak material. However, I did want to add that if you have azaleas, rhododendrons, you and they're woody plants, of course, you do need to get them mulched right away. Okay. So not all is lost with the leaves still being from the trees, mm-hmm. but they really need to be mulched. Okay, great. Well, let's take a couple of calls now. We have Ed on the line from Chesterfield, Missouri. Good morning, Ed. Good morning. morning. Uh, I have a question. I just bought a house in September out in St. Peter's, and the previous owners had a tall, like a tall grass around their uh, patio. And my brother-in-law, who dabbles in gardening and stuff, mentioned that I should cut that down around the stuff uh, before winter. And um, I was wondering, I've never did this and never had this type of tall, it's like a uh, I don't know what type of grass it is. It's, it's decorative. Anyway, how short should I cut that? Um, okay. Uh, Ed, actually not at all. Um, the tr- those grasses need their old growth to protect them from snow and ice accumulating on their 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 plant, uh, crown. And I'm not sure if it's how tall is it. It's about six feet. Okay. Tall. Okay. No, uh, actually, you never cut ornamental grasses in the winter. You do it in the spring. And as I said, the reasoning is to keep them from uh, accumulating ice and snow. Besides that, the winter effect of grass is part of your garden. So, you know, it, it's supposed to enhance your garden at this time of year. So wait until spring. Do something else. 
but wait until spring to cut that back and then cut it back oh in uh, late March you should see if you pull it apart at the bottom some green trying to get through and then cut the whole thing back to about four inches four inches yeah but not now great Good. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Thank you, Ed. You know, I love ornamental grasses. We oh, have a number of them. You know, we divide them almost every year oh, yeah. and move them in other places. And, you know, one trick, Ed, if Ed is still listening, that we've learned to do is we take a bungee cord. Oh, and put it all together. Put it all together. And yeah. then we take a hedge trimmer, an electric hedge trimmer. And Perfect. that's how we cut those things down because otherwise it's Kind of a crazy mess. It is a crazy mess. Yeah. You got to keep it together or you pick it up all yeah. over your garden for days. Exactly. But I yeah. agree. The winter, uh, oh, watching yeah. those ornamental grasses in the winter, it's beautiful on the landscape. Absolutely. So, all right. Let's turn to Vicki. She joins us from Chesterfield. Good morning, Vicki. Hi. I have, um, <clears throat> pardon me, two fiddle leaf figs. And one I started myself and I didn't start it the right way, but it's doing wonderful. I mean, it's, it's uh, five feet tall, but what I was reading about is to start them properly, you're, you're supposed to layer. I can't find anything in any of my books uh, telling me what layering, how, how you layer, because I want to start another one. Okay, here's what you do. It's called air layering, it, and that means that you're taking a stem of the existing plant, and you know how you see on that stem where uh, a new leaf might come out? That's called a node. It's a yeah. little, yeah. Do you know what that is? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, that you, you have to kind of nick it with a knife at where that node is. And then you get some sphagnum moss, the stringy moss, not the bags you get in the garden centers, the stringy uh, moss that is in the houseplant department. And you, you soak that for a while. And then you pack that around that area that you've nicked. So now you need to get some plastic, cut apart a big plastic bag, a see-through bag, and you encase all that sphagnum moss around that stem. And you tie it above and below. And so now you have this area with this glob of stuff, sphagnum moss, covered in the plastic. And that will initiate root growth in that area. Okay. And it might take several months, and then you can kind of take it off and pull it apart a little bit and see if you see any roots. You should see them coming out. And they get they are initiated by nicking that area where a leaf would be, and that should make roots there. Okay. But it's called air layering. If you want to look it up, I think you'll find it. I'm sure you'll find it when you look it up. Just put in air layering instead of just layering. Oh, Okay. And um, and then and then I transplant it to a pot and and put in the um, uh, what is that white stuff you call uh, perlite white stuff per perlite um, to uh, start roots going real good. Oh oh root root initiator. Well, you yeah. shouldn't have to because nature did that for you underneath that plastic. Oh, and and so, I don't have to give it a boost with that. Right. Well, in time when it gets established, it would be okay to lightly fertilize. You know, but what, what this means is, you know, don't put it down on the bottom of the plant because you're going to actually, when it roots, you're going to cut that plant, up, that stem off below that rooted, newly rooted area. Okay. So go up on a, where you want, you know, the plant to be uh, uh, not that, that big of a stem because then you won't have it on your, your parent plant. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck. Uh
All right. Thank you, Vicki. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 if you have questions this morning for June Hudson. June, you were speaking of ordering. This is the time of year we look at our catalogs and we figure out what we're going to plant for the spring. Right. What do you think of catalogs that offer the pre-planned gardens? Is that a good deal, a bad deal? Are there things that people need to know when they're ordering a pre-planned garden? Yes, yes. Uh, catalogs are better now, and a lot of times they will uh, list a pre-planned garden for the Midwest, and that's a good thing because mm-hmm. then you will get plants that are good for our area. But you got to be careful that that they do uh, say that because if you if you get plants that are just mixed and they aren't uh, separated out into zones and uh, areas you're going to get plants in there that won't grow here. Gotcha. And that's kind of bad because you're going to pay for them. And it's disheartening to see them not come up. So the idea is to make sure that you buy the right mix. But in today's plant world, that's pretty much, you know, agreed that they need to tell you that. So as long as you stick with the Midwest pre-planted garden, you should be okay. You know, when you get those those plants in sometimes that you've ordered through mail order, they'll say they're bare root. Mm-hmm. And you get them and the roots are in a little sack. It's not like you get a pot. But Yeah, you know, right. What, what do you need to know about making sure either you get those in the ground quick or protect them, you yeah. know, until you can get them in the ground? Well, don't you know, most, again, most reputable catalogs will only ship in your planting season. Okay. And that means that when you get those bags with uh, bare roots, that you can uh, put them in the ground because it's at a time of the year when that would be appropriate. If you get those bags early, then you have to pot them up in something. Okay. And they really want bright light and, you know, you have to water them. They probably come from a greenhouse that where it's warm and, you know, a lot of light from either sun or uh, grow light. So you need to emulate that if you have to plant them up before they can go outside. But hopefully, you know, you won't get them until it's time to directly put them outside. Having said that, when you plant them, make sure that you spread those because they came in a bag and all the roots are hanging down together. Exactly, yeah. So gently, you have to gently, uh, like you would see roots on a tree, spread them out. Okay. So, and then, you know, put them firmly in the soil and make sure that in their first stages of planting that they never dry out because they don't have any in a way to uh, sustain themselves until they catch on to the ground that you put them in. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Well, you are listening to June Hudson. I'm Megan Lynch. We're sitting in for Mike Miller today on the St. Louis Compost Garden Hotline. We hope you'll join us with your questions. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Nope, no Mike Miller this morning. We're still live and lively. It's Megan Lynch. I'm here with June Hudson, and we're taking your calls at 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We're going to trust that Mike will be back next week. One of the things that we want to talk about is what's happening right now for those of you that might be heading out to a tree lot to get that tree for Christmas Eve, or maybe you already have one. How do we handle live Christmas trees right now in our homes? What's the best way to keep them fresh and safe? Well, actually, most of the tree lots, because they have the uh, material there, they ask you if you want a fresh cut, and you always say yes. Because once you do that, you're increasing the ability for that tree to take up uh, moisture, which it needs to 
uh, counteract the dryness in your home. And uh, having said that, it's you know it's better even it's better to buy the tree as soon as you can because then you can have this cut made. And if you don't want to put it in your house quite yet, at least you can get it in a bucket of water so it can take up the mat- the the uh, water like it will in your tree stand. So you need to start that st- uh, system early in order to get it to be fully hydrated when you bring it in. Okay. So. Do you have any favorite variety of Christmas tree that you prefer in the house? Well, I do. I'm older, and I like the old-fashioned balsam. I love this, the fragrance of it. And now, of course, they come from pruned uh, tree growers, so you can buy them as, as thick as any other uh, kind of Christmas tree. But there's room between the—normally, there's room between the, the, the layers of branches so that the uh, ornaments hang down straight, where— if, they're too bushy. All your ornaments are sticking out at a funny angle. It looks kind of funny. And it's hard to find a place to put them. But I do like the balsam trees. Yeah. So you'd still put a live tree oh, in yeah, there? Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, wow. Yeah. That smell when you open the front door, that's Christmas. You know, my kids would probably love that. I've never put in the work to mm-hmm. do a live Christmas tree. Maybe next year. Maybe. we've got a few minutes left if you want to give us a call 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 you can join us in the few minutes we have left how do you know if you're going to a good christmas tree lot what should you look for in those trees when you're picking one out well straight if you look at the if you look at the ball the christmas the tree needs to the the stem of the tree needs to be in the middle of the ball and you know you have to Pull it out and look at it. If there's a hole in it, well, it depends if, you know, if you're going to put an area that hole against a wall where nobody's going to see it, that's okay. But normally, you you know, everybody wants the tree to be the same all the way around. And if it, if they prune them correctly, that's, that's what they will be. So that's the main thing you're looking for. And if they have a teeny little ball and a big tree, uh, that's, you know, going to be a problem because they've probably t- cut off a lot of the roots but you really don't find that too much now. It's such a competitive uh, industry gotcha. that people really know how to take care of them while they're growing. What about trees that are good to hold a lot of ornaments? Because I've heard some varieties, they sag quite a bit mm-hmm. when you try to put more than one ornament on a branch. Mm-hmm. You know, are the ones that you're talking about that you like, are they pretty sturdy for they are. Them up? Be- they are because they've been pruned to be sturdy. The pine trees have, a uh, you know, a little bit of a problem. N- number one, they have less uh, a branching on their stems, mm-hmm. so you have less area to put the ornaments. But also, they will spread out, and some of them kind of sag. So that's probably the most likely one that you'll encounter would be the pines. But that's not the most popular tree even at a tree lot these days. What's really the realistic life of a tree in your house before you need to get it out and get it recycled? It depends. In my in my living room, uh, it has the cold air return, so I can't. I only can only put it one one spot. So. It gets a little bit of the heat going at it, and that does shorten its life. But And also, um, uh, you need to remember to check that water in the tree stand. Gotcha. Because when it's starting to take that up, it takes up a lot of water. When it starts to decrease taking up the water, you know it's working on the time to take it out because it's not, it's not hydrating itself. Okay. Well, June, let's try to squeeze one more call in here real quick. Dale, what's your question for June? Question is what what 
type of liquid goes in that tree stand, I've been notoriously using a little 7-Up and a little bourbon. And and then I start filling the tree stand. So tell me what to, uh, <laughs> what what, to put in there. You know what? The 7-Up is pretty good. That works. It's a sugar content, and they take that up, and it adds a little life to it. So that's good. That bourbon thing I know nothing about. No. Well, I, I'll tell you what. It works. Well, that tree looks a lot better after I get it up in that whatever I'm putting it in. Okay, then you have the answer to your question. I might just try that this it. year. Does that tree Thank share? You, does the tree share the bourbon with you, Dale? It does. It does. <laughs> and it casts the uh, it casts the glow over the whole area. Yeah. <laughs> Is that you or the tree? Yeah. <laughs> well, both. Okay. And, uh, I'm a balsam kind of a guy, so good. Oh, Thank good. You. I'm glad to hear that. Well, Dale, Merry Christmas to you and your tree. I, and you and you, you ladies take the rest of the day off. Okay, okay. sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> All, right. All right, then. We actually have another hour that we have coming up together. We're sitting in for Mike Miller today. We're trying to be as live and lively as Mike is, Megan Lynch, along with June Hudson. And if you want to go ahead and call in, we're going to get your calls after we go to CBS News and KMOX News at the top of the hour, 314 314- 436-7900-800-925-1120. In just the remaining minute that we have left, um, June, give us one more December tip for our listeners. Okay, one more December tip. Um, it, it should be about bulbs. Uh, okay. And I would say we're on the cusp, although being at the garden that long, I, I observed uh, different scenarios where Bulbs did not get in the ground before now. So if you have bulbs, like tulip bulbs, uh, narcissus, Mm -hmm. the little minor bulbs, tomorrow it's 55, take advantage of that weather, get out that shovel, and get those bulbs in the ground. It's not too late. They may bloom a little later than normal. What does it matter? So this is your opportunity to finish that up before it freezes again. Great. We'll talk to you more next hour. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Well, guess what? Mike Miller is taking a weekend off. That does not happen very often. So I am happy to sit in with for him, along with June Hudson, who is a veteran of the Missouri Botanical Garden. It almost makes it sound like you did your service, but it sounds like it was really a labor of love your it years It was, there. totally. Yes. Well, thank you for being with us and for taking questions today that folks may have. And if you have a question for June this morning, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We covered a lot of ground last hour. We were talking about Christmas trees, also about some of the things you should be doing over the winter months and your planning for the spring. So we may get back to some of those topics again a little bit later, but we do have Stan in Maryville. He has been holding on through the news for us. So Stan, good morning and welcome to the Garden Hotline. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I had an evergreen question. We've been trying to find an evergreen called Cryptomeria, Cryptomeria radicans. It's Japonica radicans, a uh, Japanese cedar. Mm-hmm. And on the website, Missouri Botanical Garden, it says it's zone 5 to 8, but I can't seem to find it anywhere. I didn't know if you're familiar with this plant or... I am. I'm totally familiar with it. Um, cryptomeria is a little bit tender for our, our climate. However, because of change of climate, uh, we are warmer than we used to be. And sometimes 
you see these growing and they're quite tall. So you need to uh, go online and look at the inventory of some of the local nurseries uh, or go there over the winter and talk to them. If they don't have it, they will order it for you from areas where they are growing in, in you know, in nursery conditions. Okay. It is the odd, the oddest, uh, not the oddest, but it's unusual to find it as standard nursery material because people aren't familiar with it. And I might add, if you do find it, if you can position that plant hopefully out of a windy condition you you might uh, get it to grow a l- for a longer time because the winter winds really take a toll on these plants and uh, if you can keep them out of that for the most part by having a building you know sheltered or keep the wind away you'll do much better but most reputable nurseries and we have a wonderful uh, group of nurseries in the in the area will order that for you if they don't have it in their inventory Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck. Thank you. Thank thank you, Stan. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 are the numbers to call if you want to join us with your questions. That is always such a hard thing when you have your heart set on a plant and you've researched it and then you can't find it. Or maybe you didn't get it early enough in the season and they're all gone. Yeah, right. But again, you know, nurseries want your business. And while they're planting, placing their orders... Uh, as all of them are doing or have it done already, they can add it to the order, perhaps. I mean, not all of them are willing to order. The trouble is it, it's hard to order just one. So maybe they'll order some and hope they sell the rest. But they have to buy into the fact at least that you're going to show up and you may have to put, a, a you know, some sort of a deposit on it to make sure that, that you know, that they have a buyer for that plant. But cryptomeria has gotten more popular, so I don't think it's the biggest problem in the whole world to find one nursery that will do that. You know, I have a question for you from my own garden. It has seemed to me, and maybe it's just because I have not had the time to put into my garden over the past couple of years, but it seems like the weeds the last couple of years have been terrible. Is it just me or is... No, no, not really. You know, any bare ground you have is susceptible for weed growth. And the more plants, that's that's another reason just to buy plants, is that you don't (laughs) want ground showing. Because where ground is bare, that's where the weeds come up. I mean, they come up in between plants, but you're not so worried if you can't see them. But so if you're having a weed problem, you might want to just think about, you know, putting more plants in that area to offset that. Otherwise, yeah, weeds are, you know, mulch helps a little bit. They always say mulch for weed control, and it does help some. So where you have bare areas, you can make that mulch thicker and hopefully offset the growth of some of the weeds. That's why last hour we were talking about ornamental grass. That's why Mm -hmm. we've gone to a lot of ornamental grass. Absolutely. Because it's economical. You can divide it. Well, most most varieties you can divide easily if you've got some muscle to do it. Sure. Um, Yeah, and they take up room. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We were talking about, you know, with our last caller, talking about something that's, um, you know, good for the zone that we're in. a lot of people like to experiment. They like to try to oh, push absolutely. it and see if they can make a plant oh, yeah. work in Stretch their garden. It. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that is so much fun to see if you can get something oh, gosh, um, yeah. um, to work. And it's very interesting where you talked about putting it in different parts of your yard um, where it may be sheltered. How important is that when you're planning your garden for the spring to be looking at, you know, where the sunlight is, you know, with different terrain, things of that nature? Yes, it's ultimate. 
that's uh, positioning a plant is what makes all the difference in the world because if they're if they're bred if, if their their nativity is such that they come from areas where they have full sun if you give them any less than that they're probably going to lean and try to find the sun you know they'll get lankier and of course their bloom will be diminished depending on how much shade they get so uh, right and if you put shade plants in the sun they're going to just suffer and they may not actually die but they'll never grow to their full potential and perhaps not bloom at all or less bloom because they're so stressed out. So even though that might be, that's why when you go to the nursery, you need to read the labels. And it's really important, even though you're, you know, taken by a plant, you really need to see what the label says. And if you have that area, you know, then buy it and put it in the correct area. However, being gardeners, as we are, you always stretch the limit. So I can give you all the information but when you find a plant you like you're going to buy it and walk around your yard for an hour trying to find the right spot or we all do that you have a situation where you had the plant in the right spot and then other plants have grown up around it and shaded it and then that too got to move it yep got to move it (laughs) so 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 hope you join us i'm megan lynch along with june hudson we are filling in for mike miller this morning and we have roger now who is joining us from Belleville, Illinois. Roger, thanks for joining us. What's your question for June this morning? June, I've ordered a serviceberry uh, tree to plant in the spring. Do uh, you have any suggestions on uh, how to tend that to make sure it has a chance of growing? I sure do. That's one of my favorite plants, really. It's a gorgeous tree shrub for our area, and it is native. And the birds just love the fruit, and you will too. It's sweet, and so when it gets its be- uh, fruit... You have to beat the birds to taste it. But it's it's all good news because that's a beautiful, beautiful tree. And it likes moisture, but it also likes part shade. You don't want to put it in the most exposed exposure where it has to be out in the full sun, uh, you know, during the whole period, the whole daylight period. So um, hopefully you have a spot like that. And uh, plant it um, when you dig that root ball, you uh, is it a rooted plant or is it in a container? It's going to be bare root. It's bare root? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, then what you do is you dig the hole just, um, you know, um, I don't know. You need to dig it wide because it, when it, if you dig a tiny little hole, it's going to get to the end of that hole pretty quick. And it will already be conditioned to the nice soil around its tiny hole and it won't be able to move out into the native soil too easily. So you don't need to amend the soil, but loosen it up and only plant it as deep as where the roots connect with the top of the plant. That's called the crown. And you don't want to cover that more than a half an inch, but you spread those roots out. That's the main thing. And never just put that tight root mass down in the soil because you are increasing the probability of developing one of those roots growing and going round and round and round, and it actually girdles the plant. So make sure you spread those roots out before you put it in the, the soil that you have created for that tree. Thank you very much, Jen. You're Appreciate welcome. It. Good luck. It's beautiful. Well, thank you, Roger, for calling in. We've got Pat holding on. Pat, we're going to have you hold on. We need to go to a break but we'll get to your call when we come back. And you can join Pat, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. You're listening to the St. Louis Compost Garden Hotline. 
After hours of preparation, mere minutes of rehearsal, the most unique and entertaining holiday radio show ever is about to hit the airwaves. It's the KMOX Holiday Radio Show, and it's live to air from the Sheldon Concert Hall, beginning at 7 o'clock Monday night on the Holiday Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Well, welcome back. Mike Miller taking some time off. So I'm Megan Lynch along with June Hudson. We are taking your calls this morning on the Garden Hotline. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's jump right back into the calls. Pat has been holding on from Crestwood, Missouri. Good morning, Pat. What's your question for June? Good morning. Good morning. I was wondering what your opinion is of using crushed eggshells and coffee grounds in the garden. Um. They're great, um, but you have to do it in um, in modification. You can't use a coffee. I think of coffee grounds because you probably have more of those than you have of eggshells. But um, it 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 supplies a nutrient to the plants, but you can overdo it. So if you can uh, spread that around, especially to uh, azaleas, rhododendrons, they appreciate the coffee grounds. And the eggshells are a form of calcium. But just remember, I mean. You know, the calcium on plants is, is great to a point, but it takes a while for those shells to break down. So if you can crunch them up a lot before you put them out on your plants, that helps a little bit. But that's the eggshells, you know, they take a while to become available. The nutrients become available to the plant material. Okay, so like over the winter months, so is it advisable to just, because the eggshells are all crushed up, you know, Ooh. and pulverized pretty good. Great. Is it good to put them out over the winter months, too, the eggshells or coffee grounds? Or? Well, well, they're both going to freeze on the top. I don't think I'd bother too much in the winter, but you can start in the early spring when, or late winter when we have, you know, warm days or, or cool days. Then they start to break down. That would be a better choice. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your suggestion. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank, thank you, you, Pat. Bye. Appreciate you calling, Pat. Let's go to Crystal City, Missouri now, and Mary. Mary, good morning. You're on the Garden Hotline. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. I have a question about amaryllis plants. I have several, and they're magnificent, but I don't know what to do with the bulbs after the flowers have withered and died. Okay. After the flowers have withered and died, you need to keep those plants growing actively so you don't let them dry out because then you've uh, uh, disrupted their life cycle. Uh So they start to grow after they bloom, and you have to follow suit with the ones that you have have bought with flowers on them. So you let them grow, and then when the weather turns to spring, you can put that pot out when it's warm. It has to be probably the end of May, and it may continue to grow all summer. Uh So um, at the end of summer... Either naturally or then you can think about cutting it back. But it's better if you follow nature and when the leaves start to yellow, then you can pull them off. And then um, hopefully about now, those plants will send up a flower shoot and you'll be good to go for another year. Thank you very much. I appreciate the information. Okay. Thank you for calling. Uh Thank you, Mary. 314-436-7900-800. 925-1120 if you want to join us. Now we move up to Central Illinois, Decatur, Illinois. Pat, thank you for calling in this morning. Well, good morning, ladies. Hey, I'm thinking ahead uh, for spring and planting grass, and somebody told me last year, and I can't remember who it is, so I'd go back to them, 
they suggested mixing uh, grass seed, and it was either potting mix or potting soil. Which, have you ever heard of that, and which one would I use, the mix or the soil of the potting? Uh, to mix in with the with the grass seed when I put it out. Well, if you're going, the the, the reason you're doing that is that uh, the grass seed is distributed evenly better if you have another medium mixed up with it. So you have to make sure you get that grass seed mixed up well. But it has it it really should be soil. Okay. If it's a mix, that's really mostly peat moss, and it doesn't add to. Um, it's too light. It'll blow. Around. It could blow away, away or around, but it doesn't have the the soil nutrients in it, and uh, so you need a nice soil, not just a, a, a clay so, a clay soil that you might have dug out of your garden. So if you get it in the, you know, when you go to the nursery centers, they've got bags of about anything you want. So you know, get garden soil so it's nice soil, and then you can mix it with that. Okay, I appreciate it. I just couldn't remember, and I wanted to try it this uh, next spring. Okay, good luck. So thank you. Have a good day. Hey, you too. Bye. Let's move to Fairview Heights now. We have Joyce on the line. Good morning, Joyce. Good morning. Um, I have a question about my, i never done these um, paper white flowers. Uh-huh. I kind of forgot to plant them. Um, two weeks ago, I did that, and they're... I just don't know exactly what I'm doing. Okay. Um, Are they? Did you buy them at a, a store um, where they, they have a, a point on the bulb and maybe some roots on the bottom? Yeah. Okay. And they said to plant them four weeks before I want flowers. Sure. Well, that's exactly right. They grow really quick. So I just bought some the other day, and you get a, a nice pot. How many do you have? Um, two. Oh, okay. We'll get a smallish pot, maybe one four inches a- across the top on, yeah, about four inches, and put them, but make sure that you don't put them too deep. They like that green part that's coming out. Uh, that needs to be exposed. So you only plant the soil, plant them in soil, up to that green growing bulb. The bulb's yeah, in the ground, but... I'm sorry. They were doing by they're doing by themselves in the garage, and I finally found them in the garage, and it's like, oh, I got to plant these. Yeah, they do that. They did. Yeah, they do that. So just plant it up to that growing point, and keep that well moist. And um, if you put them in the light, they'll just zoom right out of that pot. Okay, and the flowers will. One time thing, or is it? Yeah, it's a one time thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we can't. It's hard to get them to winter over or replant them. You're better off just enjoying them and then uh, get some more next year. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. All right, thank you very much, Joyce. If you would like to join us, 1-800-925-1120-314-436-7900 are the numbers to call. She mentioned paper whites. One other plant that's very, very popular over the holidays is poinsettias. What are your tips for folks who get a poinsettia plant? My my first tip is, and I see this all the time, when I go to the grocery store and they have lovely poinsettias there, and they're not inexpensive, and the better grocery stores will have, the, are in the floral department where you buy them, they will have a, a plastic sleeve, and then they'll slip that over the pot and protect the poinsettia. However, I think some people skip that step, and I see them in their grocery cart going to their car thinking that that's such a short trip that when it's cold, that will just be okay. And 
you lucky if you get to your driveway before oh. leaves start falling off. Yeah, they hate. It's a tropical plant. Yeah, it's very sensitive to cold weather because it's been grown in a nice warm greenhouse, and so so you need to make sure you have those covered if you you know want to. Tell them to put a paper bag over the top or whatever if they don't offer to do that for you. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, it don't. It, I mean, you you just can't let them experience our winter. So once you get them home, they like bright light. So you, the more light that you give them, the longer they will last and not start to lose lower leaves. And you keep them evenly moist, and um, they should be nice for a long, long time. However, if you get the kind that have the foil wrapping on the bottom of them, which a lot of them do. Yeah, a lot of them do, yeah. mm -hmm, If you're going to keep that on there, which you don't really have to do, unless, you know, it it does enhance the look of the pot, but you have to poke holes in the bottom of that and put it in a tray because that will, if you don't, that foil will retain water, and it's like putting them in uh, your bathtub. That's going to be the end of that story really soon. So you have to make sure that the water, when you water them, drains out, and then you can discard it. Do you recommend pinching them back at any point to keep them bushy? No, okay. no, that that happens long before the flower, the the buds. For, I mean, the bracts are actually bracts. So the red part mm-hmm. is called a bract. Before that starts to develop, they, oh, okay. they've done their pinching. But once you get them in the store, no, it's it won't help at all. Okay. Well, fantastic. We are ready to take your calls at 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. I'm Megan Lynch, sitting in for Mike Miller along with June Hudson. And we'll come back with your calls after this break. You're listening to the St. Louis Compost Garden Hotline. Hey, this is Debbie Monterey. Make sure you come out and join us for Bikes for Tykes. We're here until 3 p.m. Sunday at Gravoy Bluffs Plaza in Fenton. Give the gift of a new bike this holiday season. For more information, go to kmox.com slash bikes. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Well, Mike Miller has stepped away for the weekend, so we're giving him a little break here. I'm Megan Lynch, along with June Hudson, and we are taking your calls on gardening, 314-436-7900, We've been talking about some holiday plants because that's what on, is on a lot of people's minds right now. We were just talking about poinsettias, um, and a lot of people like to try to save them and, and get save them for the next year. How How realistic is that? Well... You know, it's a quest. Gardeners like a quest, so you can't just dis- discard that. But really, um, they take a, a, a exact um, temperatures to initiate more flowers, which involves keeping them in the dark. And it's so, so many hours a night, mm. and uh, we get calls at the garden. And I, I, I remember one lady called and said, you, you know, we advise putting them in a dark closet for the period but you have to take them out, you know. They need some sunlight. She said, well, she's had them in her closet for three months, and when she took them out, they looked pretty dead because <laughs> they they hadn't really had any life for yeah. three months. So that's not right. <laughs> but you have to follow a certain, you know, sort of recipe to keep to get them to bloom. Now, you can keep them alive, but alive is a, you know, it's relative to um, what what your expectations are and they do lose most of their leaves and they might get a few new ones if you put them out for the summer 
but it's ne- it's a shadow of its former self. You're never going to get them to be as they are treated in the industry to get them ab- to bloom correctly. So you have and to decide be bushy. Yeah, you have to decide if that fifteen dollars or twenty five dollars is worth all that. Yeah, again, it's a quest, but you're not going to get them like you bought them. Okay, three one four four three six seventy nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Last hour, June, we were talking about. Christmas trees that you would buy to put in your house that you would mm-hmm. cut. But also, what about if you buy bald and burlapped Christmas trees that you want to try to plant then? Uh, walk sure. us through the steps of what folks need to do. Okay. First of all, and tomorrow again, uh, it might be the opportunity. The first thing you want to consider if that's on your mind to get a bald and burlap tree is to pre-dig the hole because you can, because the soil will be easier to dig. And if you don't, after the tree is done inside and it's, you know, zero, your shovel is not going to be able to, uh, you know, dig that hole and you're going to be frustrated because now what? So you pre-dig it. So tomorrow, if you're going to do that, perhaps you've already got it or you want to get it soon. But tomorrow would be the ideal day to pre-dig that hole. And what you do is you dig it. You almost need to dig it twice as wide as the root ball is a diameter. And so that gives it room to grow on both all the way around the ball. The other thing is you never want to plant it deeper than the crown. That's where the top of the tree hits the soil. I mean, I'm sorry, the bottom of the tree hits the soil. Mm-hmm. And that's the, called the crown. And that's the level that you want to replant it in because you don't want it too deep. That's worse than not deep enough because then water sits in that hole and lots of rain, and you could it would not be healthy. So you want to make sure that, and the soil will sink a little bit as well. So never plant it too deep, okay. up as opposed to down. And then the the thing is, once you do that, you have to keep it well watered because it it only can draw water from that root ball until next spring. So it's really delicate and uh, um, depends on you to supply the water for it until it can take it up through its root system in the spring. The other thing about it that people don't realize is that uh, it, it still wants to be cool. These trees come from the north, and they don't mind winter, but some of them don't like summer, per se, for real. But having said that, um, even when you bring them in the house, they've been out in the cold, and to get them to get through the season, so to speak, they would like the co- coolest room you have. But also, recommendations are that you only leave them in the house for a week. Well, oh, that's okay. not a very good a long Christmas season no. after all that trouble. So it's hard to like a after, week after you get it all decorated to now take all that off and go out and plant the tree. So, you know, you have to weigh all these options that, before you decide to plant the tree. But I know people that have got trees they've planted since their children were small, and they have a whole bunch of trees. So, you know, if, if that's your, your idea, then, then you ought to give it a try. What kind of container do you put them in inside the house? I've never seen a bald and burlapped tree in You the don't house. put them in a container. Okay. You put them, protect your floor, of course, with something. But then you put the ball on the uh, on that material, gotcha. and then you have to cover it with a tree skirt or whatever that's desirable for you. But there's no container. Okay. You're usually of a size, you know, that's because you want a tree that's big. It's almost got to have the right size root ball to, um, you know, use outside anyway. What if you can't dig the hole? How do you overwinter it? That's a good question. You can put it outside because what else are you going to do? But put it again, like we talked about, 
in a sheltered location. That's where the wind doesn't get it. And then you get some mulch, you get it bagged or whatever you have, and pretend like it's it's planted where you're you're keeping it, and absolutely cover the root ball with soil. And then you might want to put mulch over that. The idea is to protect it, and then you have to water it because again, it won't have any water. Yeah. I mean, it will get some from the rain, but you have to make sure that it stays moist until you can get it in the ground. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, June. Sure. Well, it looks like we've got a call now. From Diane, um, if you would like to have your gardening questions answered, you can call in to 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Diane, good morning. What's your question for June today? Okay, I have more of a comment after listening to the uh, poinsettia story. Uh, I'm a gardener, and I listen to Mike almost every Saturday, and I love gardening and flowers. I've got way too many, you know, as a lot of us have. But so last Christmas, I gave my two daughters and another friend and had myself each one of those small poinsettias that you get at one of those, you know, stores. And uh, I took care of mine, and, of course, I had to go out and leave or whatever, and it it didn't make it. My oldest daughter, who's kind of concerned about plants, too, she worked and hers died, and my friends died. My youngest daughter, who doesn't, who has little kids and works and has no time to do anything, it is still growing in her kitchen right now. How yes. about that? That's too funny. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. So Boy, is that a lesson there or what? I don't know. <laughs> right, I know. That's what you know. Sometimes it's less is better. Yes, you know? you're but right. Good for her. Share that with you. Maybe you you're 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 about the point status. <laughs> maybe she's on her way to be a great gardener. There, there you go. You guys have a happy, Merry Christmas and, and a Happy New Year to all. Thanks, okay? you too. Merry Thank Christmas, you. Diane. Thank you so much for calling in today. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 to join us here on the Garden Hotline today. One of the other things we were talking about was uh, Christmas cactus. Are they mm-hmm. a little bit delicate to try to grow? They're so popular this time they of year. They are, and they are so long-lived. It's just, honestly, people have them where they're three feet across grandma plant, you know, heirloom plant, and and it's just wonderful. But what you have to do is like in late summer, after you've grown them in the shade, by the way, but you have to keep them fairly moist, but they are a cactus family, so they do like to dry out between waterings. But in the fall, then you bring them, when you bring them in, because they are sensitive to cold weather, you grow them on the, the, you grow them in as much sun as you can give them through a window or lights, and uh, that initiates the flower bud, but you also run them on the dry side. And they it uh, signals the plant that it's now time to set the buds, and then they will. And so they bloom for a very long time. And after their blooms are, are spent, they'll fall down, you know, and clean that up. And then um, you can still grow it fairly dry. Uh, you can tell if they need water because the leaves get a little wrinkly, mm-hmm. and that's a good time to water them or right before that. Once you figure out your plant, you'll sort of know when it's time to water it. But the worst thing you can do is overwater it. Okay. It is a cactus, so under is better. Underwatering is better than over. Great. We have a call from Harlem. He is calling from Ferguson. Good morning. You're on the Garden Hotline. Yes, good morning. I'm calling to ask about the uh, best time to uh, take care of the zoysia fertilizing? Oh, good question. That's a great question. Okay, zoysia is a a transitional grass, which means it grows in here, but it also grows in the south, and it turns uh, brown for us in the winter, and it's telling you that it's resting. So you never fertilize it in the winter. In the the spring, um, you can either uh, 
take the the old grass out. Um, if you if you need to, if it's been growing for years, but it, that's when you fertilize it. Okay. Because it doesn't start to grow, and that's mid spring. Because it doesn't start to grow until the temp- uh, soil temperature warms up, and then you'll see the green grass poking through. And when you see that green grass poking through, that's the time to fertilize it. Wonderful. Thank you very much. You're ben. more than welcome. Okay, All right. bye. Thank you, Harlem. We appreciate your call this morning. Let's move on now to Millstadt, Illinois, and we have Marty on the line. Good morning, Marty. Good morning. Hey, June, um, I have a question about an anthurium. Um, the leaves tips get brown and it gets spots on them, mm-hmm. and I know I've killed several of them, and I wondered how to keep this one alive. Well, anthuriums don't need a whole lot of uh, light. There's, it's a shade, more of a shade-growing uh, houseplant. So do you have it under lights or in a window? Where does it live? Um, it's kind of in a, a shady area in the house, low light in the house. Okay, well, that's okay. Um, uh, those um, leaf tips that turn brown are an indication mm-hmm. of that your air is too dry. So, okay. unfortunately, being a, a tropical plant that grows in a rainforest, so to speak, you need to keep that the air t- uh, moist. So, you know, you tell people to mist their plants. Well, that works if it's not going not going to mist your couch in the in the meantime. But uh, what you can do is get a saucer of uh, rock material that they use for aquariums or whatever, and if mm-hmm. you put water in that, that will help. Uh, give humidity to the plant, but never let it sit in that water. I mean, that uh, rock water it has to be above it, of course. But that should help. I'm not so uh, okay, sure that that's the same problem, though, as the spots on the leaves. But um, I think that's probably uh, environmental. So keep it moist and see if that doesn't improve the health of it. Okay, it's getting like big brown spots in the middle of the leaves. Is that a fungus or something? Or Are they... They get like paper thin, you know. Right. You know what? Is it How many leaves has the plant got? Is it a lot? Oh, yeah, quite a few. Uh-huh. And how many leaves have those spots? Uh, hold on. Let me... <laughs> well, uh, oh, three or four. Okay, cut them off. Cut them off okay. and, and watch it. And if that okay. continues to happen to the other leaves, you might have a, a virus or some sort of a blight. But I'm hoping that uh, it's environmental, and once you get rid of those, your new leaves will not have that. If they do, okay. then go to a nursery center and ask them about a fungicide. That okay. It's the only, it's the only uh, uh, alternative that you have at that point. Okay. I can do that. Okay, good luck. Thank you for your help. Oh, you're more than welcome. All right, we have Marilyn holding on the line. Marilyn, we need to go to a break, and we'll get back to your call next. You can join Marilyn at 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. With June Hudson, I'm Megan Lynch. We're filling in for Mike Miller today, and we'll be back with the St. Louis Compost Garden Hotline. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. 
Thank you for joining us this morning on KMOX. Mike Miller taking the weekend off. I'm Megan Lynch along with June Hudson, who is answering your gardening questions today. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. And let's go to Marilyn. She's been holding on from Waterloo. Good morning, Marilyn. Good morning. Good morning. Um, My question is, I have uh, several, actually I have four or five hydrangea bushes and... um, probably about 10 rose bushes. And my question is, should I or shouldn't I cut them back in the winter? That's a very good question. No, your hydrangeas, there's all kinds of hydrangeas, but uh, generally speaking, don't do anything to any of those hydrangeas until spring. And um, you really want to wait till they bloom. That's your that's your key to, what to when to prune them. When they bloom, when that when they go dry, the, the the flowers go dry, then you can prune them, but not before. So that's a general answer to your question. So, um, but you know, this winter we had this early cold weather, so I'm not so sure you're going to see blooms on your plant. But if you don't, try to look up when they bloom, so at least you have an idea when that would be, so you know that's the right time to prune. But usually that's late spring. So don't okay. do anything until late spring, whatever. Okay, and what about the rose bushes? The rose bushes, no, you don't put them, no, you don't prune them back now because they may go back on their own, and that will give you an opportunity when in spring you see where the live growth is, then you can cut them back to live growth. But in the meantime, okay. no, just leave them alone for now. Okay, because they bloom great to start with. I mean, they're just full of blooms. And then the rest of the year, I'm lucky if I get two or three blooms. And I cut them. I cut them where I'm supposed to at the five-leaf mark. Right. That's good. That doesn't help either. Well, you know, all roses are not alike. There's a zillion different ones. They may be ones that only have one great gigantic time to bloom, and then the rest of the time it's sparse. So it may right. just be the kind okay. that they are, because it sounds like you've you've done the right thing. Okay, thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Thank you, Marilyn. Let's move to Manchester, Missouri now. And Dia, thank you for joining us this morning. What's your question for June? Good morning. Hi. I have, I have peony bushes, or peonies, I don't really know what you're supposed to call them. But two summers ago, they got a, a weird powdery fungus. Uh, I don't know what it was, a powdery mm-hmm. look to the leaves. Right. And and they didn't bloom for me. I didn't do a whole lot. I just let them sit there, and I wanted to see what would happen the next summer. So that was just this past summer, 2018. They didn't have the – they got leafy, and they didn't have that powdery look to the leaves. But they also – one plant didn't bloom at all, and the other one, I think, got one bloom on it. It was pretty, but it was one. And so I just wondered, is there something, am I, am, is this thing dying or could it possibly have a new birth, new life next year? Usually that's called powdery mildew, what you're getting on your leaves. And it's really kind of superficial. A lot of people don't even bother to spray, but uh, those that do use a fungicide that you can get at the garden center, which will help with that problem, they will, they will pick it out for you. Just tell them it's powdery mildew. Normally, though, that does not uh, affect the bloom period. I mean, the bloom growth, uh, the flowers. So uh, have is this a shady or a sunny area? 
Well, I do. I have one in a shade area, and I have one in a sun area. And generally, they both bloom. The sunny one blooms more than the absolutely. Shade one. Yeah. But I still got some beautiful flowers from the shady one. I got okay. zero this past summer. Okay. Well, have heart. I think you know the weather has been such. It might have been the weather that did that. The powdery mildew hardly ever affects the flowers because it doesn't come on it until after the flowers are done. So give oh. them another chance before you give up. Or, and then maybe you want to move that shady one to the sun and see if that helps. Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thank you, Dia. Let's go to Jim, who's calling us from the road. Hope you're being careful while you're calling us. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. I've got some uh, comments on planting a live Christmas tree from your home. Sure. I've been about the last 16, 17 years now in a row. And uh, the last time, the best thing to do is to, I dig my hole way ahead of time, late spring, so that the hole is ready to go. I also have a couple of big bags of soil that I keep in the garage. When we're done with the Christmas tree and it's all finished, we just roll it out to that hole, drop it in the hole, drop the soil around it, throw some leaves on top of it, and it never has failed. Oh, my gosh, that's so good. Well, that's a great recommendation. I hope a lot of other people think that far ahead and follow your lead because obviously it works. And I know people that have trees, you know, for years and years like that. So you're doing a good job. That's a great tip. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jim. We've got a couple of minutes left here. One more holiday question for you. What about holly? When you want to bring holly in from the outside, what are what's your advice? Well, when if you have holly that has uh, berries on it, that's just beautiful. And you can cut those branches and bring them in. However, you need to put them, you know, in water and keep the, the flow. And that will make the berries last a little longer. But once you bring holly in and it's exposed to the heat of your home, the berries don't last inside a really long time. And people need to know that it's just the nature of it not being uh, connected to the tree anymore, and also the hot air. It really, you know, that's really not conducive to uh, good growth on a, on a tree. So um, th- th- don't, don't worry about it if it, they don't last very long. It's really because, you know, it's not in perfect conditions. Does it help to spritz things with a little water? Does it that, does. That, okay. Everything likes that as long as, you know, you can do that without... You know, getting it on your furniture, yeah. of course. <laughs> Add, like we said, adding moisture to your house air helps all plant material. Okay, fantastic. Well, June, um, any other last-minute holiday tips for people as, as we're bringing plants in and we're trying to keep them alive in our house over the winter months? Right. Well, don't put them too close to the windows when mm-hmm. it's really, really cold because those windows are terribly cold and they can really do a lot of damage. So even if it's only temporarily, pull those houseplants back from the window if that's your situation. Great. Well, thank you so much. Oh, you're more than we welcome. We appreciate you joining us this morning and uh, answering questions like while Mike Miller was out. And Always um, a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate the 40 years of knowledge yeah, that you bring well, to this show thanks, today. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for joining us this morning on the St. Louis Compost Garden Hotline. I'm sure Mike Miller will be back with you next week to take your gardening calls He's always live and lively, that is for sure. Have a great Saturday. KMOX News is coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.